We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go. Episode 630 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, August 10th, 2023. One day away are we from the Commanders preseason opener. Commanders at the Cleveland Browns Friday night at 7.30. And we on Wednesday afternoon did get some details on who is playing in the game. Uh, The Commanders late Wednesday afternoon confirmed that Sam Howell will be the starting quarterback in the game. No word on how much he'll play or how many other starters will play. Uh, Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski, he on Wednesday afternoon said that the majority of his team starters, including quarterback Deshaun Watson, will play on Friday night. But again, for how long, we do not know. Uh, I would not expect commander starters slash key players uh, to play more than a few series, a quarter at most. Remember, head coach Ron Rivera during his uh, post-training camp practice press conference this past Sunday morning uh, really sounded like he, for this preseason opener, is not planning on playing key players for long. And he very much emphasized the upcoming joint practices with the Baltimore Ravens as being important, maybe even more important than this game at the Browns. So the joint practices are coming up. The commanders are going to participate in uh, joint practices with the Ravens at the Ravens team facility, the Under Armour Performance Center in Owings Mills, Maryland, uh, this coming Tuesday, August 15th, and Wednesday, August 16th. Hello and welcome to this uh, Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I hope that you are prepared for this show. I hope that you are as prepared for this show as that prepared statement (laughs) read by Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning was prepared. Next segment, I will react to and discuss the second day and hopefully the final day of this uh, Ron Rivera, Eric Biennemi thing. Uh, Ron spent the bulk of his uh, pre-practice press conference at Commander's Training Camp on Wednesday morning apologizing for and explaining what he meant by what he said during his uh, pre-practice press conference on Tuesday morning when he revealed that Commander's offensive players had come to him regarding the coaching style of assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and that Ron encouraged those players to talk to Bieniemy, and then Ron, in a response to a follow-up question, rather cryptically said that players, quote, were a little concerned, end quote. And then we on Tuesday morning had the enemy at a post-practice press conference answering questions about this stuff. As you probably know, this is not the first time (laughs) that Ron has had to apologize for or clarify something that he has said as Washington head coach. We all make mistakes. I get that. But uh, this is becoming a way too common occurrence with Ron. I'll explain further next segment. And then after that, I'm going to talk commander's defense off defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio doing a post-practice press conference on Wednesday morning. First time that we have heard from JDR since the start of training camp. You likely know the deal with Jack. Uh, He at his press conferences doesn't usually (laughs) provide ultra-detailed, overly expansive answers. However, Jack on Wednesday morning did say some good stuff, including the two things that are his and his defense's focus for this coming season. Uh, These are two very important things. Also on the show, the Nationals. Uh, Yeah, they got no hit on Wednesday evening. 
Yeah, the Nats got no-node. A 7-0 no-hit loss at the Philadelphia Phillies, marking the first time that the Nats have been no-hit in a regular season game since the franchise moved to Washington, D.C. in the 2004-2005 offseason. The Nats had had the longest active streak of not being no-hit of any team in Major League Baseball. That streak now over. Uh, I later in the show will assess what went down, including uh, a really bad outing for the Nats starting pitcher on Wednesday evening, Mackenzie Gore. Uh, the very good outing, the no-hit outing, was by the Philly starting pitcher, Michael Lorenzen. Uh, and I will talk Orioles. Uh, they on Wednesday night lost. Uh, did not get no hit, but uh, they did not hit well, uh, and they lost in an 8-2 loss to the Houston Astros at Oriole Park at Camden Yards as the Orioles' bullpen got roughed up for a second time in as many games in this series. Before we get to some feedback, the Josh Harris group has made its first major hire for the Commanders, Craig Fisher reportedly has been hired as the chief financial officer. Uh, His experience includes nine years as a partner at the New York-based private equity firm Intermedia Partners and three years as an executive vice president at Yes Network. Uh, He replaces this guy, Greg Resch, who we learned was leaving the post of chief financial officer in September of last year. So the commanders went almost a full year without a CFO. Now finally are hiring one and this guy, Craig Fisher. Uh, Also, the Harris Group reportedly is hiring Thad Sheely as an advisor on stadium and real estate matters. Uh, Thad Sheely had previously worked as an executive for the New York Jets and Atlanta Hawks. So the Harris Group making some moves on the business side of things. Uh, You wonder what all of this might mean, could mean, for team president Jason Wright, although perhaps he was very much involved uh, in these hirings. Uh, Also, sad news regarding former Redskins corner Bashad Breland. Have you heard about this? So Breland was arrested in North Carolina early Tuesday morning. He was charged with possession of a stolen vehicle, guns, and drugs. Uh, He was allegedly in possession of two AR-15s, a pair of AK-47s, five pounds of weed, and 62 grams of mushrooms while in a stolen Mercedes SUV. Uh, Bashad Breland last played in the NFL in the 2021 season, during which he played for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he, in the 2019 season, won a Super Bowl as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. But, of course, we all remember him as playing for the Skins. Uh, they took him in the fourth round of the 2014 NFL Draft out of Clemson. He played for the Skins from the 2014 season through the 2017 season. He was a pretty good player for the Skins. He, over his four regular seasons with the Skins, had 60 pass defenses, eight interceptions, and seven Force fumbles. I'll never forget his performance in the Colt McCoy game, October 27, 2014, the improbable 2017 overtime win at the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Bashad Breland was a monster in that game. Four pass defenses, a force fumble, six tackles. He did a great job in covering receiver Des Bryant. Uh, Bashad Breland does have a history of legal troubles and Now he uh, is in trouble again. So whatever's going on with him, uh, I hope that he gets right. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Dan in Minnesota on what has gone down with Rod Rivera the last two days, writes Dan. You could not have been more on point with the Don Ron moniker, though he on Tuesday did skew more toward Fredo. (laughs) Now we know why Ron wanted no part of Hard Knocks. We can't have any footage of him leaving the horse's head in EB's bed. Leave the press conference. Take the cannoli. (laughs) Keep up the great work, Al. Thank you uh, for the email, Dan. Yeah, could you imagine this Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy scenario if the commanders were the subject of HBO's Hard Knocks this summer? Although the situation got a lot of attention, even without Hard Knocks. An article on Ron's comments on Wednesday morning clarifying what he said on Tuesday morning was the top story in the top headline section on ESPN.com as of late Wednesday morning. The top story 
<laughs> and we thought that the team being sold by Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group was ending the chaos. Uh, although I did get a kick out of this tweet from Jim D. Writes Jim, the crazy thing is the fact that this issue is the biggest controversy regarding our team right now is such a breath of fresh air. Uh, thank you for the tweet, Jim. Excellent point. I will take this situation over another investigation uh, any day. Email from Jack L. on why the Commanders will have a successful 2023 season. Writes Jack, a theory on why the Commanders will have a successful season, i.e. make the playoffs and have a playoff win, is that just about everyone in the organization from the front office on down is in a contract year. And we have seen how contract years can motivate those in the world of sports. Your thoughts, please. I'll thank you for following sports so that I do not have to so much. Uh, More and more, I am foregoing the sports pages and catching up on sports from your shows. Uh, Thank you for that, Jack. I appreciate that. Well, of course, not everyone is literally entering a contract season. I mean, Rod Rivera, as best as we can tell, is under contract through the 2024 season, and a number of players are under contract beyond this coming season. But I get the idea. New ownership means that everyone is being evaluated. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Nobody should be comfortable. And what's entirely possible is that once the team's 2023 season ends, a uh, massive tidal wave of change will begin. If the commander's upcoming season does not go well, the floodgates of change could be open big time come January. But, you know, perhaps that possibility will drive the team to have a good 2023 season. And keep in mind what happened the last time that our team had an ownership change. 1999, the Redskins surprisingly won the NFC East and won a playoff game. The lone playoff victory at FedEx Field. January 8th, 2000, a 27-13 win over the Detroit Lions. That was 23 and a half years ago. That remains the only playoff victory at FedEx Field. (laughs) That is pathetic, man, okay? Well, something else that uh, isn't good is what's happening in the home and auto insurance markets right now. Uh, We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. Uh, That's why you should get with BMC Insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients insurance every year when they renew. And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, Wednesday was a busy day at Commander's Training Camp at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia. We, on Wednesday morning, had a practice that was open to fans. The governor of Maryland, Wes Moore, attended practice. The number two person in the Josh Harris group, Mitchell Rails, attended practice. A great friend of this podcast, 
Uh, and a great friend of Mitchell Rails, Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, attended practice. Heck, Wednesday was Kids Day at Commander's Training Camp. But Wednesday also was a day on which the head coach of the Commanders, Rod Rivera, spent almost the entirety of his 11-plus-minute pre-practice press conference on Wednesday morning cleaning up a mess from Tuesday morning's pre-practice press conference. Uh, As we talked about at length on Wednesday's show, episode 629, uh, Ron on Tuesday morning revealed that Commander's offensive players had come to him regarding the coaching style of assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, uh, and that Ron encouraged those players to talk to Bieniemy. And then Ron, in a response to a follow-up question, rather cryptically said that players, quote, were a little concerned, end quote. We later on Tuesday morning had a previously scheduled post-practice press conference for Biennemi, who spent the majority of that presser discussing and explaining and justifying his coaching style. There were two aspects of all of this that we got into on Wednesday's show. Uh, one aspect was players having had concerns about Eric Bieniemy's demanding coaching style. Uh, personally, the only commander's offensive player whose concerns with Bieniemy I'd be open to is receiver Terry McLaurin. Otherwise, I'm not interested in concerns or complaining from players who either just joined the team or have been a part of the team, which hasn't had a good offense since the 2017 season. I really don't have an appetite for concerns or complaining from guys who just got here or who have been part of this team that has not had a good offense in each of the last five seasons. Eric Bieniemy is here to make this offense good. And if he's taking guys out of their comfort zones, good. Commander's offensive players had no problem complaining about the previous offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, to the Washington Post for a major piece that came out this past January 7th. Well, Eric is doing things in a much different and hopefully better way than Scott did things. So you didn't like Scott? Well, here's Eric. And by the way, every indication is that the enemy coaches hard, but fair. Yes, he does get on players, but he also praises players when they do well. But the other aspect of what happened on Tuesday morning that we talked about on Wednesday's show was, why did Ron Rivera reveal all of this in the first place? Why did he put this stuff out there? He didn't have to put this stuff out there. He ended up being honest to a fault. It was like he couldn't help himself. And I especially did not like that cryptic, cliffhanger, open-ended thing of saying that players, quote, were a little concerned, end quote. Concerned about what? That answer raised even more questions. And so Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning spent the overwhelming majority of his pre-practice press conference cleaning up this mess. Now, let me make this clear. What happened on Tuesday morning wasn't some like horrendous season-ruining occurrence, okay? Wasn't some calamity. Uh, But what happened on Tuesday morning did get a lot of attention, both locally and nationally. And what happened on Tuesday morning was an unnecessary situation. Uh, How Ron Rivera's pre-practice press conference on Wednesday morning began was something. He began the presser by reading a prepared statement. Here was some of the prepared statement. As I've said many times since I've hired Eric, I love the overall message that he gave to the team his first day, and that was basically we got to learn to be comfortable when we're uncomfortable. And I think what's happened is for those guys on that side of the ball, things are uncomfortable. There's been a lot of change. And the entire way of doing things has changed on the offensive side. Change is hard, and I've always encouraged our players to have great dialogue and build relationships with our staff. Since those conversations took place with Eric and the players, I've seen the improvements. And I can honestly say that the last couple of practices probably have been the best of training camp, which I think is great. To me, that displays a team is beginning to embrace the message and approach to how he does things and how we want things done. I also want to clear up the reverence I made about Jack in comparison to Eric. I did not communicate that correctly, and I met with Eric. We had a great conversation, and that was cool. I think the biggest thing is that we're all on the same page, everybody. 
I'm fortunate to have an experienced staff, guys like Eric and Jack, and a roster of players who want to help this franchise take the next step. We're all working to build a culture where players and staff can respect each other's point of views and the way that we do things and continue to be very professional with one another. At the end of the day, we're all a family and we're working towards the same goal, and that's to win. I just wanted to get that out there so everybody understands I wasn't as clear as I probably needed to be, and I own that, and that's on me. All right, so a prepared statement from Rod Rivera. He almost sounded like a kid reading an apology letter that he was forced to write for doing something bad. I am sorry for hitting my sister. I will not do that again. I will do a better job of cleaning up my room. I will not talk back anymore. Now, look, I do want to give Ron credit for taking ownership of what happened. Uh, He, at the end of that prepared statement, did say, quote, I wasn't as clear as I probably needed to be, and I own that and that's on me, end quote. So that was a good job by Ron. Uh, Ron Rivera, late in his pre-practice press conference on Wednesday morning, got asked if he had spoken to Eric Bieniemy about what went down on Tuesday morning. Here was Ron's answer. Um, we did. We talked about it, and it's you know, and it was just I basically told him I put my foot in my mouth. Um, I think what I said wasn't as clear as it needed to be, and I think the understanding of 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 it is just the fact that. I think everybody's making, in my opinion, a little bit more than needs to be made of this. Because, again, the results are what you're looking for on the field. And so far, the last couple of days have been outstanding. I think Eric has done a great job of communicating his message. Uh, now that guys, you know, have opened up, talked with him, he's opened up to them. It, it's, been, it's been a great bit of growth the last couple of days that guys are starting to have the aha moments. That's why we do this. That's why we want that. You know, it's uh, we had a guy come out of a break one time and, 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 and just really burst out of it. And the ball was right on time. And you sit there and go, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're looking for. Um, those are those aha moments that you see when you see those things. And, and it now becomes clear to you as to why. And I think that's what's happening. Guys are seeing the reason uh, why as, as things happen in a positive fashion. One of the things that was unclear from what Rod Rivera said on Tuesday morning was, were these concerns that commander's offensive players had had with Eric Bieniemy current concerns that were being navigated or previous concerns from which everyone had moved on? It does sound like these were previous concerns. Uh, That, of course, is good if, in fact, that is the case. Also on Wednesday morning was Rod Rivera getting asked why he even went down the road (laughs) that he went down on Tuesday morning in terms of revealing that players had come to him regarding Eric Biennemi's coaching style. Here was Ron's answer. I think just to show the the, the difference in in who they are. You know, one guy's experience is different from the other guy's experience, but we all do things our way and we all have the same goal in mind and that's to win. And I think the best thing about it too is our players have learned, you know, their communications with with uh, with our coaches, has, has really I think is is been a big part of why you're starting to see the improvement because everybody understands why why we're doing these things, what we're trying to get accomplished, and that's important. All right, Rod Rivera on Wednesday morning also got asked to elaborate on what he said at the end of his pre-practice press conference on Tuesday morning that players quote were a little concerned and quote with Eric Bieniemy. Uh, this was Ron on Wednesday morning on what those concerns were, and then you'll hear some uh, back and forth with Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. I think the biggest thing more than anything else is everybody just wanted to know why. You know, what, what, what's, what's he trying to get out of it? And when you understand why, why people do the things the way they do them, and you look at the end result, that's the important thing. And the best part is we're seeing them. You can't deny yesterday was a good practice, can you? For your, your, your no, I just asked you the question. Okay, don't be afraid of it, though. Come on. I mean, it, it, from my perspective, when I watched practice yesterday, I was very pleased. And I think a lot of it is because guys understand what we're trying to do. And that's what I think is important. And they understand it because they've had open dialogue with them. And that's the thing. I mean... Honestly, the articles that, that were written yesterday, and I saw a couple of the headlines, the headlines could say, oh, the players understand. The players are getting it. You know what I'm saying? Instead of, of, of what they said. And if, if you sit there and you read it and you go, wow. But it's the same thing for you guys. You get a new editor comes in and he's going to be different. And you got to go, oh, wow, why does he do that? But then all of a sudden you see why and you go, whoa, I get it. 
Well, that's what's happening. We're having these aha moments. And it's because there's been open dialogue. It's because guys have come to him and talked to him about it. And that's what is really appreciative, is that guys are willing to, to talk. And, and Eric's very honest and very blunt and very upfront, which I think is great. Because we all know where we stand, and that's the most important thing. Uh, you noted that Eric is kind of set in his ways. He then came in and said the same thing. As the person who hired him to help, to not only help the scene, but to help him get to that next level, have you found him to be... Has has, been, has the reception of advice from you and guidance, uh, do you feel it's been received to the way you would ex expect? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's been it's been great. He knows who he is and he knows how he's going to do things. And that's great. I mean, we all do things differently. And that's all he's done is just do it his way. Do it the things the way that he knows how to do them best. And I have an appreciation of that because I said I've, I've probably played for two of the two of the toughest throwback type guys that you could have and and to me eric is a little bit of a throwback yeah and eric bienemy is a coach who has gotten results did you see what miami dolphins receiver tyreek hill tweeted uh bienemy of course was the kansas city chiefs offensive coordinator the last five seasons and he was the chiefs running backs coach for the 2013 through 2017 seasons hill was on the chiefs from 2016 through 2021 tweeted tyreek hill on Tuesday afternoon, quote, man, there is no other coach that has your back like EB. Take that coaching and get better. We all been through. It's tough, but I promise you it will make you better, end quote. Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in the NFL. He did not have to tweet out anything regarding Eric Bieniemy, and yet Tyreek Hill tweeted out a big-time support tweet of Eric Bieniemy. But Back to Ron Rivera. Uh, this Eric Bieniemy scenario does go down as at least the third major screw-up by Ron at a press conference over the last 10 months. This past October 10th, Ron at a day-after-the-game press conference off the 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field gave another cryptic answer, uh, this time a cryptic one-word answer of quarterback. Remember that? Quarterback. And that answer got perceived as Ron throwing quarterback Carson Wentz under the bus, although I did not think that that was what Ron was doing. But take a listen for yourself. Uh, this was a back and forth between Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times and Ron Rivera this past October 10th. The Giants, you know, they're up to a faster start. The Eagles, the Cowboys... You know, they've kind of all been rebuilding, too, the last couple of years, and it seems like they're farther ahead. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at this point? Quarterback. Is that? I mean, with quarterback, like the Cowboys, for instance, they're, they don't have Dak Prescott this season and still have been able to well, they win. Started with, well, they, they started, started with, with him. Dak, but they've... And they build around Dak, and the offense is built around Dak. Um, their backup's a, a guy that is very solid inside of it inside of what they do um, and the truth is that, that this is a quarterback driven league and if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback you chose the quarterback here though so do you have any regrets about that or how do you no I got no regrets about their quarterback I think our quarterback has done some good things there's been a couple of games that he struggled um, but you look at his numbers from yesterday and he would say, okay, look at his numbers he's had throughout the year. There was a time he was, you know, uh, very solid. And then, um, un you know, we had the unfortunate Philadelphia game, and he struggled a little bit in the Dallas game. But the way he performed yesterday, it just shows you, you know, what he's capable of. And, you know, we chose him because we believe him. We chose him because we looked at what we felt were, were, were things that pointed towards him. Okay, again, I did not think that Ron Rivera was trying to throw Carson Wentz under the bus with what Ron said, but that one-word answer of quarterback got twisted and contorted in all kinds of ways and certainly was left open to interpretation. Ron had to clean up that mess. Uh, New Year's Day, 2023. Happy New Year. <laughs> Ron, during his post-game press conference following the hideous 24-10 loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field, did not seem to know that the team could be eliminated 
from postseason contention. Uh, that loss in conjunction with the Detroit Lions routing the Chicago Bears 41-10 and the Green Bay Packers blowing out the Minnesota Vikings 41-17 yielded the elimination of our commanders from playoff contention for the 2022 season. Well, we, during Ron's postgame press conference, had this exchange between Grant Paulson of 106.7 The Fan and Ron. To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Allen consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, then you guys are eliminated. Well, we'll see. But would Sam be a consideration, or is it wins first? Well, we'll see. I'm not going to, you know, try and predict anything. We'll see what happens. Yeah. That was maybe the most painful sequence in a Ron Rivera press conference last season. Him not knowing that the commanders could have been eliminated from playoff contention on New Year's Day, or at least appearing not to know that, uh, was a mess that Ron had to clean up. Now we have this Eric Bieniemy mess that Ron has had to clean up. There's too much of this. Too much of Ron making messes that he has to clean up. Too many unforced errors by Ron. You know, Ron, as Washington head coach, has had enough working against him, right? He has not needed problems of his own making. And this trend of the last 10 months of him at press conferences saying things that are cryptic or embarrassing and need to be cleaned up is not good and needs to stop. You know, I mentioned that the top limited partner, of the Josh Harris group. Mitchell Rails was at Commander's training camp practice on Wednesday morning. What do you think that he was thinking about this latest press conference screw-up by Ron Rivera? What do you think that the managing partner, Josh Harris, was thinking? Ron Rivera this coming season, by his own admission, is coaching for his job. This Eric Bieniemy scenario from Tuesday and Wednesday isn't the end of the world, okay? But the scenario... Did Ron no favors? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know, I had to laugh on Wednesday morning (laughs) with Commander's Defensive Coordinator Jack Del Rio doing a post-training camp practice press conference. It was a little more than a year ago that uh, Jack did a press conference that uh, garnered, shall we say, some negative reaction. (laughs) Uh, June 2022, the infamous dust-up press conference. Additionally, as we have discussed on this podcast over the last few years, Jack is not a huge fan of press conferences to begin with. Uh, He, at press conferences, routinely gives these like comically short answers. But off what went down with head coach Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning, Jack's post-practice press conference on Wednesday morning seemed like a walk in the park, you know? I mean, this was like an easy breezy presser. Uh, And with all of this talk about Eric Bieniemy's coaching style, Jack's coaching style came up. And so this was Jack on Wednesday morning on his coaching style. 
My, co my coaching style has always been to, uh, to be very demanding, um, make sure I'm communicating clarity. You know, any, any kind of gray, I think we have to eliminate the gray so guys have a chance to play fast. Help them understand, share some of the wisdom, help them understand situations that are, that are going to come up that present themselves, how we want to be able to respond to handle those situations. Um, and then really, this time of year, you're building, you know, that cohesiveness, you know, where it's a unit, it's about team. And, you know, you have a bunch of individuals, that's great. But unless we come together and work as a team, um, it's not going to be it's not going to be what we want. So that's the big push this time of year. Um, you know, my thing, you know, Ray Lewis said to me many years ago, he said, Coach, what I love about you is you keep it real. And he said, always do that. I said, I promise I will. <laughs> I will always keep it real with guys. I believe in that. I believe in communication. Uh, I listen. Uh, I listen. But at the end of the day, once we settle on what we're going to be, that is the commander way. That is what we're going to do. And uh, there's no backing away from that. Interesting nugget regarding Baltimore Ravens uh, linebacker great Ray Lewis. Uh, Jack Del Rio was the Ravens linebackers coach for the 1999 through 2001 seasons. Here's the truth about Jack. He has done a good job as Washington defensive coordinator. He was hired as Redskins defensive coordinator in January 2020. And the team has had a very good defense in two of his three seasons as defensive coordinator. The 2021 defense was a big disappointment, no doubt, but the 2020 and 2022 defenses were very good. Uh, here are Washington's rankings in the NFL in total defense per DVOA in each of Jack's three regular seasons as Washington defensive coordinator. 2020, number three. 2021, number 27. 2022, number nine. So Washington, in two of its three seasons with Jack as defensive coordinator, has had a top 10 defense. The Skins from 2004 through 2007 were top 10 in the NFL in total defense per DVOA three times. Uh, these were the four seasons for the Skins with Greg Williams, the GRE double G, as assistant head coach in charge of defense. 2004, number four. 2005, number four. 2006, number 32, dead last 2007, number seven. So the commanders this coming season could be top 10 in the NFL in total defense per DVOA for a third time in four seasons for the first time since 2004 through 2007. This was Jack Del Rio on Wednesday morning on his focus for his defense this coming season. Uh, big fo focus, two things. Start fast, uh, we want to make sure we're doing that. Um, you know, start season fast, start series fast, start games fast. Um, so that's a that's that's the number one emphasis. Uh, the other is force more turnovers. So really, we've been, you know, since I've been here, we've been mostly in the top five or so in the league um, as far as stopping people from gaining yards. Uh, third down, you know, last year was really good. Um, and those are, those are important things to continue to do well, but we need to generate more turnovers for the health of the team. Uh, another turnover here or there in several of the ball games could make the difference, you know, between, uh, uh, you know, four or five wins or not. And uh, add four wins to what we had last year, we'd be in pretty good shape. He's right about that. The commanders for the 2022 regular season were just 26 out of 32 NFL teams in takeaways with 18. Now, takeaways can be random. Takeaways can be fluky. A team's takeaway total is something that tends to fluctuate year to year, but takeaways matter a lot. And this is where you hope that the commander's 2023 first round pick, corner Emmanuel Forbes, can be a big help. This guy was a takeaway machine at Mississippi State. Forbes over three seasons at Mississippi State 2020 through 2022 generated 14 interceptions in 36 games. He left college number one among active FBS players in career interceptions and left college as the FBS's all-time leader in career pick sixes with six. But what about this issue of starting out fast? It is true that Washington in each of its first three seasons with Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator has had a defense that got off to a bad start. Here was Jack on Wednesday morning on how to prevent another slow start for the defense. 
Yeah, you just you got to be got to be sharp. You got to be on top of it. Uh, no no mental mistakes. Um, physically, have yourself trained and ready to go. Uh, it's all the details that we're working on. And um, there's no exact. It's, it's like when you're when you're talking about athletes preparing for a season. Um, there's just a certain level of focus that we have kind of kicked in after experiencing some things early and then growing. Well, we've, we've, we've done that. It's, now it's time to start fast, and that, that's going to be you know, a rallying cry for us for this season. How likely is a fast start for the commander's defense this coming season? You look at the expected opposing quarterbacks over the first four games. Week one, home to the Arizona Cardinals. A former skin, Colt McCoy. Uh, Okay, we like Colt, but the commander's defense should dominate the Cardinals offense. But week two, at the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson. Yes, he was terrible last season, but he is a candidate to have a bounce back season, especially given that Sean Payton now is the Broncos head coach. Week three, home to the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, stud. Week four, at the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts coming off an excellent season. A fast start for the Commanders defense in the 2023 season. It certainly is possible, but uh, a fast start probably won't be easy. But helping the defense in the quest for a fast start is big-time continuity. The majority of the key players on the commander's defense are returning players. Jack Del Rio on Wednesday morning on the continuity factor. Absolutely. That's, that's a big part of it. Uh, we've, got, we've got a good nucleus, uh, young, talented players that are working hard. Um, that part's excellent. So, and then, then we sprinkle in a couple guys. You know, we, we got two DBs early. We got a couple ends late, um, and those guys are mixing in to the to the nucleus of players that are returning. We added a couple free agents, and and so, you know, we'll put it all together. But this is the time where you come together, and uh, and, and and build, you know, your library for what you can do all year and all those things. But again, for us, two things: start fast, force more turnovers. Yeah, the three major additions to the commander's defense from this past offseason, corner Emmanuel Forbes, who was taken in the first round of the 2023 draft, defensive back Quan Martin, who was taken in the second round of the 2023 draft, and linebacker Cody Barton, who was signed as an unrestricted free agent. Indications have been that Forbes is having a really good training camp. Jack Del Rio on Wednesday morning on Forbes. He's very twitchy, very fast, uh, but he's very smart. So um, I like the way he's working at it. Um, got a long way to go yet, but um, you know the combination of of speed, quickness, intelligence. Um, it's it's a great combination for us. He's going to be a good player for us. Right now, he's just growing in our system and learning and understanding and and going up against good people. You know, when you go up against Terry. Uh, he, he's an explosive receiver, so gives him some good some good work. Yes, it does. And then one more for you from Jack Del Rio on Wednesday morning. He did get asked about the commander's quarterback situation, specifically what a quarterback needy team finally getting a franchise quarterback can do for that team. This was Jack's answer. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you got You got to have one. Um, it was a it was a big difference when we added a guy like uh, Peyton Manning and I was in Denver. Um, changed the whole building. So, I mean, I know I know what that can be. Um, we also, you know, you also have the ability to take a young player uh, like Sam and give him an opportunity to grow and see his talent and see what he's capable of. And you got Jacoby here who's had a good camp and those guys, you know, those guys are working hard. So I feel confident that we're going to come out of this thing with a quarterback that can help operate and lead. Uh, But the most important thing is that we're really good around him and that we're not putting it on our quarterback right now. Now he may become that player that can put us on his shoulders, but right now we've got to be a team that comes around and rallies around who we have and who we're playing with. And um, it's up to us to take care of business uh, defensively. It's up to us on special teams to do our role. It's the offensive line, it's the backs, the receivers, the tight ends, everybody being on the same page. And I love the way that Eric is working that group and demanding of that group. And um, it's been very healthy for us, for our football team. And I'm excited about it.
I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Jack Del Rio was the Broncos defensive coordinator for the 2012 through 2014 seasons. A realistic formula for the commanders doing well this coming season is Sam Howell being at least decent, the offensive line being improved, the skill position players living up to their potential, and the defense being good. All of that is a lot to ask, okay? I get that. But each of those things is possible, uh, some more than others, but the commander's defense has a chance to be great this coming season. And if the defense is great this coming season, you are looking at Jack Del Rio as certifiably being the best defensive coach for Washington since at least Greg Williams more than a decade and a half ago. Well, something that the Nationals had avoided since the franchise moved to Washington, D.C. in the 2004-2005 offseason was being no hit. Uh, There have been some bad Nats teams, but not a single one of them had been no hit in a regular season game. The Nats, in fact, had the longest active streak of not being no hit of any team in the majors. The last time that the Nats franchise had been no hit was July 18th, 1999, when the New York Yankees' David Cohn threw a perfect game in a 6-0 win over the Montreal Expos. But unfortunately, the uh, Nats' avoidance of being no hit is no more. Uh, The Nats on Wednesday evening got no hit, a uh, 7-0 no-hit loss at the Philadelphia Phillies in Game 3 of a four-game series. The Nats fell to 50-65 in this regular season, starting pitcher Michael Lorenzen, who the Phillies just acquired via trade with the Detroit Tigers on August 1st. He and just his second start for the Phillies no hit the Nets. Lorenzen tossed nine scoreless and hitless innings. Uh, he did issue four walks. He only had five strikeouts. He threw 124 pitches, 76 strikes versus 48 balls. Uh, He had his changeup working, and he ended up dominating the Nats from a standpoint of holding them to no hits and no runs. Uh, The four walks drawn by the Nats came from two players, Kbert Ruiz and Joey Manessis. Kbert, he is the Nats' starting catcher and number five batter, 0 for 1 with two walks. Kbert in the top of the second drew a leadoff walk, and he in the top of the fourth drew a two-out walk. And Joey Manessis, he is the Nats' starting DH and number three batter, 0 for 2 with two walks. Manessis in the top of the first drew a two-out walk, and Manessis in the top of the sixth drew a two-out walk despite having been down in the count at 1.02. Look, it's not good that the Nats got no hit, okay? It certainly is humiliating that the Nats got no hit, but no hitters do happen. They're not as rare as you may think. This was the 322nd regular season or postseason no hitter in MLB history. This was the fourth no hitter of this 2023 regular season. This was the 17th regular season or postseason no hitter since the start of the 2021 regular season. So yeah, no hitters happen. Uh, You certainly don't seek out to be no hit, but no hitters do happen. And I wouldn't read anything into this other than the Nats on Wednesday evening had a bad night at the office. Like that's what happened on Wednesday evening. I don't think that what happened in this game speaks to any bigger picture reality with the Nats. Uh, This was Nats manager Davey Martinez during his post-game session with reporters on Wednesday night on Michael Lorenzen. I mean, he was was good. Mixed all his pitches in, threw threw a bunch of strikes. Uh, Changeup was really good to the lefties. Um, Slider was good to the righties. Um, Just, just, uh, it was his day-to-day. I mean, uh, like I said, he he threw strikes, he threw the ball with the plate. Um, I just had a good mix of pitches. When that, when that game gets deep and everyone and the crowd's into it and the guys know what's going on, do you see at bats change at all? Do, get, do guys get a little antsy? Do they start chasing things? I don't know. How does that change the game? No, I, I think they were. I, I think we were trying to. Yeah, you know, they, they were really trying to stay back, stay in the middle of the field. I mean, look, we, we brought some balls up. We'd be part eight or nine. You know, in the eighth inning, we hit some balls well. Um, just, just wasn't our day. And it's, it was, like I said, sometimes it's, um, it's meant to be, and today it was meant to be for for him. He's a veteran pitcher, so what did you know you have to address with him going into the game, and then how did he kind of you know work around that or, or exceed any? No, yeah, we, we, you know, we you know we knew he had a good good uh, 
uh, fastball, four seam and two seam. Uh, good slider, good changeup. Um, but like I said, you know his changeup was really effective to lefties today. His slider was really good, but he, he pumped strike, kept our hitters off balance, and threw strikes. So Michael Lorenzen tossed a no-hitter on Wednesday evening. The Nats starting pitcher on Wednesday evening was Mackenzie Gore, and he really struggled. Uh, Gore allowed six runs in five innings. He gave up seven hits, three home runs, a double, and three singles. He did have five strikeouts versus one walk. He did throw a lot of strikes, 83 pitches, 55 strikes versus just 28 balls, but he got smacked around uh, Citizens Bank Park. Gore in the bottom of the first allowed three runs. He gave up a leadoff single by ex-Nat Trey Turner to left center field on an 0-2 pitch. Uh, Gore gave up a one-out RBI double by another ex-Nat Bryce Harper to the right center field gap on a 1-2 pitch for a 1-0 Phillies lead. And Gore gave up a one-out first pitch two-run homer by Nick Castellanos to center field for a 3-0 Phillies lead. That homer went a projected 413 feet per stat cast. Uh, Gore in the bottom of the second allowed a run on a leadoff homer by Weston Wilson to left center field for a 4-0 Phillies lead. That homer went a projected 429 feet per stat cast and came in the first major league regular season plate appearance of Wilson's career. This guy had toiled in the minors for years. He finally uh, makes his major league regular season debut and he homers in his first plate appearance. Uh, Gore in the bottom of the third, allowed a run on a two-out first pitch. Opposite field solo homer by Nick Castellanos to right field for a 5-0 Phillies lead. And Gore in the bottom of the fourth, allowed a run on a one-out walk of Weston Wilson, a two-out steal of second base by Wilson, and a two-out RBI single by the Phillies' number nine batter, Johan Rojas, on a uh, broken bat flare to no man's land near the left field foul line. So some bad luck there, but Gore got rocked in this game. Mackenzie Gore now for this regular season, 23 starts, an ERA of 462. Uh, His ERA has risen quite a bit these last few weeks, and not so coincidentally, the Nats are going with a six-man rotation. Davey Martinez announced this during his pregame session with reporters on Wednesday afternoon. The uh, going to a six-man rotation really is about two things. Number one, workload limits for young starting pitchers, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, and Jake Irvin. Number two, another young starting pitcher, Yoan Adon, uh, having just had a really nice start in his first major league start of the 2023 regular season. This past Saturday, a 7-3 win at the Cincinnati Reds. Adone, three runs in six innings with seven strikeouts versus no walks. Uh, he gave up just three hits. He began his outing by tossing five and two-thirds perfect inning, 17 up, 17 down. But Gray, Gore, and Irvin, all of that issues uh, to varying degrees lately. You do wonder if the uh, toll of the season is starting to show. Uh, the Nats bullpen in this uh, 7 nothing no-hit loss at the Phillies on Wednesday evening. Two Nats relievers combined to allow one run in three innings. Corey Abbott, one run in two innings with four strikeouts. He tossed a perfect bottom of the six with three swinging strikeouts, which were of the Phillies' numbers four through six batters. Nick Castellanos, JT Realmuto, and Rodolfo Castro. But Abbott in the bottom of the seventh, the latter run on a walk, a wild pitch, a hit-by-pitch, and an RBI single. And Robert Garcia tossed a perfect bottom of the eighth. Game four for the Nats at the Phillies, Thursday evening at 6.40. Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. So we, during this work week, have the Nationals and Orioles facing the two teams that faced off in the 2022 World Series. The Nats are playing a four-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. The O's are playing a three-game series against the Houston Astros at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And the O's are getting roughed up. Uh, Tuesday night, a 7-6 loss at a game at which the O's blew a 6-2 eighth inning lead. Wednesday night, an 8-2 loss. Uh, now, the Tampa Bay Rays on Wednesday night did lose a 6-4 to the St. Louis Cardinals. So the O's for this regular season are 70-44, and still the best record in the American League, and still two games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. The Astros in this series are teeing off on the Orioles' bullpen. Uh, that 7-6 loss on Tuesday night, four Orioles relievers combined to allow five runs in three innings, including the ace reliever, Felix Batista, allowing four runs in two-thirds of an inning. He, in the top of the ninth, loaded the bases with one out on a walk and two singles, and then gave up a one-out grand slam 
by Kyle Tucker to right field for a 7-6 Astros lead to conclude a nine-pitch plate appearance in which Tucker had been down at 1.02 and in which Tucker fouled off each of the four pitches before the pitch that resulted in the Grand Slam. And then in this 8-2 loss on Wednesday night, four Orioles relievers combined to allow five runs in four innings. Now, not all of the relievers were bad. Uh, Jacob Webb did toss a perfect top of the six with three swinging strikeouts. Uh, the O's on Wednesday morning activated Webb and option reliever Joey Crable to AAA Norfolk. The O's claim Webb off waivers from the Los Angeles Angels this past Monday. Uh, also, Cito Perez, uh, he on Wednesday night uh, tossed a scoreless top of the seventh. But Shintaro Fujinami, uh, a.k.a. Fuji, uh, this guy is either great or awful. He on Wednesday night uh, was the latter. Uh, he was charged with three runs in two-thirds of an inning. He had what ended up being a four-run Astros eighth, faced five batters, but got just two outs as he issued three consecutive two-out walks. And Mike Bauman, he on Wednesday night officially allowed two runs in one and the third innings. He faced eight batters, but got just four outs as he gave up a double and three singles. Uh, the Orioles' starting pitcher on Wednesday night was Jack Flaherty. Uh, he, in his second start for the O's, was just so-so. He allowed three runs in five innings. He allowed three runs over the first two innings, but did then toss three scoreless innings. Also, he, over the five innings, had eight strikeouts, but he gave up six hits, a homer, a double, and four singles. The homer that he gave up, top of the first, uh, Flaherty allowed two runs on a two-out, two-run homer by Kyle Tucker. There's that name again. Uh, this homer to right field for a 2-0 Astros lead. And uh, this homer going a projected 427 feet per stat cast. Also, Flaherty issued two walks, one of which was intentional. And he issued two hit-by-pitches. He over his five innings threw 98 pitches, 62 strikes versus 36 balls. Here was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Jack Flaherty. I thought he pitched well. He just uh, I thought the command was a little bit off the breaking ball early, but I thought he got better as the game went on. He uh, a two-run homer there in the first, and he only gives up one in the second. Pitched out of a big jam with a lot of pitches being thrown. Real good third, real good fourth. Pitches out of a jam with a zero in the fifth inning. So only gave up three runs, traffic in a couple innings. Um, but I did a nice job, kept us in the game. He's had to work out of quite a few bases loaded situations in his short time with you guys. What, what do you think it says about him as kind of a, a, you know, he's a young guy, but a veteran pitcher to be able to pitch through those spots? Well, just that I think it's veteran experience and makes big pitches and, and, uh, and spots. And obviously a lot of experience helps. And, um, but yeah, I mean, he kept it right there for us. Allowed us to give us a chance to get back in. Left with a down, only us down three to two. Uh, but he got some big outs there in the fifth inning to keep the score right there. Yeah, the O's on Wednesday night certainly did not hit well enough. Uh, they scored just two runs, totaled just seven hits, went 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Uh, the seven hits were comprised of a homer, a triple, and five singles. The O's did work five walks. Two standouts were Austin Hayes and Adley Rutschman. Uh, Hayes, as the Orioles starting left fielder and number seven batter, went 1 for 4 with a two-run homer. Uh, he ended Orioles two-run fourth, had a one-out opposite field two-run homer to right field to cut the Orioles' deficit to 3-2. Also, Hayes made an outstanding defensive play, top of the eighth, O's down 3-2. Austin Hayes, a home run saving catch via a leaping catch over the left center field wall on a flyout by Chaz McCormick for the first out. And Adley Rutschman, uh, he on Wednesday night as the Orioles' starting catcher and number one batter, two for five with a triple and a single uh, yet we have seen Rutschman in that number one spot a good bit lately. And the guy had a triple uh, on Wednesday night. He, in the bottom of the first, had a leadoff opposite field triple on a strange play, a high fly ball near the left field foul line. Uh, Rutschman got this triple despite having been down in the count at 1.12. But the O's in the inning did not score a single run. A leadoff triple, but no runs in the inning. Some good news for the O's. Uh, it is sounding like they could be getting both of their injured center fielders back uh, during the team's upcoming lengthy trip out west. Talking about Cedric Mullins and Aaron Hicks. Uh, the O's, after this three-game series against the Astros, have a nine-game trip out west. 
three games at the Seattle Mariners, three games at the San Diego Padres, and three games at the Oakland A's. The thinking is that Mullins could join the O's in Seattle and Hicks could join the O's in San Diego. The O's have been without these guys for a while. Mullins has been on the 10-day entered list since July 19th, retroactive to July 16th due to a right adductor groin strain. Uh, He was on the 10-day IL from May 30th to June 24th due to a right groin strain. And Hicks has been on the 10-day IL since July 25th due to a left hamstring strain. Game three for the O's against the Astros. Thursday afternoon at 12.35, Dean Kramer will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 631. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders. Also talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Thursday evening at 640 of game four of a four-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. The O's on Thursday afternoon at 1235 of game three of a three-game series against the Houston Astros at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Allen consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, the Packers won. Oh, that's right. You guys are eliminated. Well, we'll see. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.